If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, hey everyone, welcome back to the Kevin and HJ podcast. And I know we've been a little MIA lately. Um, I don't know what it's been like because it's kind of I don't know I've been busy Hedrun's been busy all the all the people that I've been trying to contact have been somewhat busy for for whatever reason in this like weird February period so it's finally good to be back episode 66 and Hedrun is back we're talking about all the things that are happening on happening in the soccer world we have we weren't able to give you the set part two of our preview podcast for the Champions League. So we're going to actually review all the Champions League games and um, talk about some of the controversial things that ended up happening this weekend. I mean, can you talk about Kepa versus Maurizio Sarri? So we'll get into that too. And then we'll also break down, obviously, Man U versus Liverpool, give our perspectives on that because, I mean, it was a 0-0 deadlock tie. But there were a couple things that I saw as a Liverpool fan that I was not too proud of. And I'm sure Hedrun can talk about uh, Manchester United as well. So Hedrun, welcome back on to the podcast. And yeah, finally, it's like, it feels like forever since I, yeah, since we've talked. A, it feels like it's been a while. Yeah, it's yeah. been like, what? Couple, couple weeks, weeks yeah. couple yeah. weeks, but couple so weeks. so many things have happened in those two weeks or so. Yeah, Um Sadly, I haven't been paying much that much attention as as much as I should. But um, yeah, let's 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 get this ball rolling. Yeah. So I so the podcast before this one was the one where we ended up previewing the first set of games for the Champions League, and we were pretty wrong on all of our <laughs> predictions because um, <laughs> Manchester Uni- United did not look great against PSG. Um, and that's, I don't know. I, I, I thought that the game was pretty even towards the beginning, but PSG had a lot more chances as the game wore on and they were just able to finally break through. What would you see as a Man U fan when watching that game? Well, just from what I remember, I remember the ref just controlling the game. I Yeah, that w- it, it was very it controversial. It was pretty bad. I thought he really imposed himself during that game, and it, it, he kind of took away a lot of the physicality um, from the game. And I didn't have a problem with the way he was refing the game until it became inconsistent in terms of what he was giving yellow cards for earlier in the game or weren't yellow cards later in the game because those those guys that were making those fouls and committing those fouls already had yellow cards and he didn't want to be the ref that that handed out like three red cards in the game so here's the thing uh there there were 10 total yellow cards including one red uh in that game right Mm -hmm. so one two three four five Five of which came from uh, the first half. And you could tell that 
like whenever there was a foul, like he was very reluctant to give that second yellow. Right. Uh, especially to players like Kimpembe. Like, I feel like he should have been sent off. Yeah, and that was a big controversy, obviously, because if he was sent off, he wouldn't have been able to be in the position that he was in to score that that goal for PSG. And that was... He did commit a lot of hard fouls, and especially with the way the ref was refing the game earlier on, he could have probably been thrown out of that game if the ref was consistent. Yeah, and let's talk about the Pogba red card. Yeah, what what were your thoughts on that? Uh, I don't think he deserved it. Yeah, but I don't it, think. so. I mean, yeah, either. it was a foul, but I don't, I don't think it warranted another I, yellow. I thought it was pretty harsh, honestly. I mean, I I thought it was to, to Ashley Young. Yeah, to be yeah. honest, like everybody was like, "Oh, is it to Ashley Young? Was it to Pogba?" Mm-hmm. And then I I don't like. Did, do you know if they? Re- appealed it or what i'm not exactly sure if they appealed it but i'm pretty sure he's gonna be sitting out that next game i can look it up right now but i'm pretty sure he's sitting out then or he's suspended for the next game but it's i don't know i just felt like i i thought the this was the exact opposite of what you want from a ref in big games like this Mm. because you want the players to play the game and yeah. you want them to be the ones that are determining the outcome of the game. And although I thought PSG played a little bit better than Manchester United during the game, it wasn't something that was like a crazy, crazy difference to to basically dictate what the score line was. And it really affects the return leg because Paul Pogba is going to be out for the next game and suspended plus it's going to be really hard for them to come back especially i think they're they're going to be at psg Mm -hmm. so it's going to just be incredibly hard to be able to score away goals um in that environment especially with the way psg is going to probably come out in the next game play more defensively i mean Man, you just needs to score three goals, and then <laughs> they they could allow it to one more goal. But um. yeah, it was it. It just I just felt like it wasn't a great a great game by the ref, and that really changed the outcome of of this the result of this game. Well, and well. the and the fact that I feel like I feel like um, the pace for Manchester United died a lot when Lingard and Martial just uh, both uh, got subbed off. And yeah, got subbed off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it didn't help at all. It just um, changed the complexion of the yeah. game. And then mm-hmm. it was so noticeable on the other side with Mbappe. Yeah. And, you know, Neymar was out. Like, there were a lot of key injuries for um, both teams, but especially PSG with Neymar being out and just and, – and Cavani being out as well. So that was two-thirds of their, like – prized attack but Mbappe just completely inserted he scored that second goal and it was a beautiful goal the way that he was able to just kind of like glide past the Manchester United center backs and I was just so impressed with his pace and his skill on the ball and can you he's like 19 years old Mm. which is scary as fuck but it's like it's crazy how good he is at the age that he's at yeah I'm not gonna I'm not going to knock Manchester United for this one just because, you know, having two substitutions at, you know, pretty much the first half, I mean, that changes a lot of, a lot. 
and probably something that you really haven't planned for. Mm-hmm. Um, like Sanchez coming up, coming on for Lingard and Mata coming on for Martial. Like probably didn't help. Rashford was pretty much isolated. Um, yeah, I'm hoping for a better result, except uh, we'll see how long like the injuries for like Lingard and, and Mata and the, the one that they sustained. Herrera. Like, yeah, Herrera. Yeah, yeah. Like, and we'll talk about that more when we, we cover the yeah. Liverpool Man U game. But like, I guess we can move on to Tottenham versus Dortmund because Tottenham looked extremely dominant in their game against Dortmund. And this really caught me off guard, especially because Harry Kane hadn't been back yet for this game. So it was uh, Son Heung-min that ended up really starring in this game, and mm. he scored that early goal in the second half. Mm. And I, I just thought Tottenham really looked dominant in that second half and really played an extremely smart tactical game plan against against Dortmund and being able to um, play play through their play through their wing backs, especially Vertonghen, who was playing out of position at that left back position. And we know he's played there with Belgium and he's been able to be in that position and he's been familiar in that position, but he doesn't play that position at at the club level at all because they have two really yeah. good left backs in Davies and Rose who were unfortunately hurt for this game. But he looked extremely impressive. He ended up scoring a goal. I think he ended up scoring uh-huh. a goal as he well. He had an assist and, right. a, and a goal. And he, he looked extremely impressive being able to serve balls in. And I thought that really, really changed the way, like the way Tottenham played, especially in that second half and being able to play through that left side. Well, so I know Dortmund didn't play their usual players. Yeah, and I thought that was a little was, suspect. Yeah, a little well. odd. Like I, I feel like it was almost as if they wanted to focus more on the league. Right, um, because they're sitting up at at top of yeah. the uh, Bundesliga right now. They're only three points. Behind I think they're. Now. Yeah, I think they're only three points clear of Bayern right mm-hmm. now. So, so it makes yeah. sense for them to just kind of throw this away and just kind of focus on the league. I think that's that might be more important to them uh, just because they have a bigger chance. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, like Royce didn't even play. Yeah, um, and then... Um, Goza ended up playing striker. Like right. that's Christian Pulisic, who hasn't been starting, ended up starting. Like, yeah. there were just... And then Rafael Guerrero, who's been really good for them as a winger, as a left winger. He didn't. He, I think, came on late in the second half. Yeah. So it, it's just there were curious decisions as to why they decide. And I don't know. I don't know if you agree with that thinking or not because I think Liverpool is kind of in that same boat of whether or not to solely put their eggs in one basket for focusing on the league, or should they kind of play hard in every game and try to give it their all. I don't know. I I think Tottenham, especially a depleted Tottenham in that game, that's a winnable game for Dortmund, and they're pretty even. Um, and it it was surprising that they were outplayed like they were in that game. Uh, yeah, but at the same time, like if you end up with nothing, you get like you're pretty much like done for the season. 
Yeah. So I understand Dortmund's like perspective. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, they're they're they they lost a lot of like good players, and they're gonna be losing a lot of good players soon. Like, I can't imagine like Sancho and and people like that going to, to like a bigger club. Uh, they lost. Uh, what's his name to Barcelona? Oh, Dembele. Dembele. Right. Um, a lot of these like quality young players. So and they they are this like feeder club right now. Yeah. Where it's kind of like this in intermediate step between them, you know, like a like a Netherlands Ajax type of team, and they someone makes a step into a bigger uh, German Bundesliga team like Dortmund competing for championships titles there and then they really make that next step into like the barcelonas of the world um and these top english premier league team pulisic is going to chelsea so it's they they figured out this financial model where they kind of stay afloat because they're able to take some of these young players and really develop them and then sell them off sell the, these assets off and make a huge profit on them and in, and it's a very successful model and they're able to c- compete for Bundesliga titles every now and then like every other year uh when all the pieces fit together and this is one of those years where they're at atop the league and they have the right pieces um and it'll be it'll be curious to see like how they're able to keep this team together and what they're able to do yeah, I mean they're like Tottenham of like like nine years ago. Yeah, kind of. Nine, ten yeah, years yeah, ago. yeah. I I totally agree with that. So moving on, and I think th- I w- I kind of want to talk about Liverpool, Bayern, and we get we kind of call talk about them. Actually, before we move on to Liverpool, Bayern, I have a c- kind of a funny story regarding Tottenham. So my I ended I ended up going to my grandparents' house for my grandma's 80th birthday. And it was freaking hilarious because my grandpa and we we kind of make this joke because my cousin uh, Simon actually looks extremely similar to <laughs> to Son Heung-min. so we always joke around about that. And he had a funny story about him working out at the gym at a local gym down in Philly. Okay, and some some like random like Italian kid ended up coming up to him in the gym and was like. Are you uh, are you <laughs> And like he was like, no, 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 I'm not him. But he was like, you look exactly like him. So he was trying to play that off. But it's kind of funny how Son has like taken the world by storm. Mm-hmm. Meaning my grandparents, and this is where the Korean pride kicks in, obviously. But my grandparents like knew stats about him they're like he scored in the last five games and they like watch like every single minute and it's i guess that's what's good about being retired because you can watch all these games and 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 partake in this so my me and my grandpa were actually having an intellectual conversation about son Ungman and his like staying power at tottenham and whether or not he's going to be transferred to another club so is is it was some it was a definitely like a a heartening moment for me to be able to kind of have that conversation especially with my grandpa who i don't know he's a big sports fan but i don't know if he like followed soccer that much so it was really cool to have that conversation to see that son is like really pushing the boundaries of fandom in in places that are very uncommon yeah i would imagine you know like our generation grew up watching Park Ji-sung 
You know? Right, right, right. So a lot of us became Manchester United fans. Mm-hmm. And now it's the same with Hyun Min where it's like, you know, kids like who are like, I don't know, like but middle I, school, high school, they, they're going to watch. I Son totally agree up. with that, but I think it's almost like another level. Like he has kind of capped, he's the one that is the star player, I would say, and is scoring the goals for Tottenham and is being this player that he's one of the main guys, whereas uh, Pak Ji Sung was m- more of a, how, I don't know, of a role player for mm. Manchester United, and he ha- he didn't really star for them. He was well-known because he was a Korean player on a really, really good team, uh, a world-renowned team. But Son is like actually one of the star players of a team that is is kind of doing like all the all the things that you'd expect out of like one of the top 10 to 15 players in the league. Do you Okay, so here's the question. Okay. Do you think Sonung means uh he can like rub shoulders with Park Ji-sung? I think he's already there. You think so? Yeah, I think he's already there. Just the amount of production that he's been able to put forward is something that isn't isn't known for a Korean player. Mm-hmm. And he's only 26 years old right now. And he's still... If he p- continues the direction that he's going in, he has another five-ish years to continue on this path. And if he continues on this path, I would not be surprised if he surpa- surpasses what... Pak Ji Sung did in the Premier League. And goals wise, he scored more than Pak Ji yeah. Sung already has. Yeah. Obviously, they have completely different games and roles, but I think the way that he's starring and the the manner as to with how he's doing these things is something that hasn't been seen by any Asian mm-hmm. player um, ever. So it's pretty incredible to see. Th- the amount of production that he's had with Tottenham and the way he's been able to play. And I, I know this hurts as a, as a man. No, uh, I personally don't think he's there. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and part of it is because he's playing with a team that hasn't won anything. Right. Um, Manchester United, when Pakistan was there, he, Manchester United had a lot of silverware that they had, right? Like they won, Plus, uh, Park Ji Sung, when he played his first World Cup, they went to the semis. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I think it's like, I think it goes to like this thing of Son and how how he's utilized within the team and whether or not, like, he's one of the main guys on the team really pushing Tottenham forward. And like, I felt like Pak Ji Sung when watching him for Man U, he would come on during big games and really perform. But it's not like he was someone that Manchester United really, really relied on. Mm. Like he could he he was replaceable, honestly. Mm. Like I thought he had a vital role on Manchester United for certain games, like when when he was like man marking Pirlo in some of these yeah. games and, and all this stuff. But I, f- I feel like they're there's a difference in, in the roles that they ended up playing. Um, and I think 
Son is doing something in the English Premier League, probably the top league in the world, that not many Asian players have ever done mm. before. And he's reaching these new heights. And that's why you're seeing this huge boom of like people that are fans of Son Heung-min, even though they don't know anything about like soccer at all. Like mm. they're cap he's capturing the attention of like all these Korean people and he's like basically like the soccer idol um of Korea. Like mm. and people are following him in Korea like he's a K pop star, basically. So it's pretty Im- impressive to see. And it's not that Pak Ji Sung didn't have any of that at all, especially post uh World Cup, uh when he took Korea to the semifinals. But it's just a different manner as to how Son is doing it in comparison to what Pak Ji Sung did. So who would you take? We're good. really going down a rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> who would I take? <sighs> it depends. I mean, I think it depends how you structure it. If I'm taking one to sh- start like a franchise, I'm probably taking Son. Mm. But if I'm if I'm like if I have a game to win, I think I might take Pak Ji Sung. Um, it depends like how you frame it, like the pool of players I'm choosing between um, whether it's like for one, one, a one-off game or if it's like for the next, like for the entirety of their career, could I have Son's career? Or could I have Pak Ji Sung's career? It's, I don't know. I think it's tough like to determine. And I think this kind of draws parallels to the NBA or like, would you rather be someone like, Charles Barkley, who's ne- who never won won a mm. title, um, or Carl Malone, who never won a title, but he was a key component of a team. Mm. Where whereas, would you rather be someone like Robert Ory, who was like a key, like who's a, who was a, a key player, yeah, or a key guy on a lot of championship teams? Maybe Steve Kerr, someone like that, yeah, someone that played a role on a championship team, but they weren't necessarily like the best player mm, in the I world. See. Okay. I, I feel like the those are apt comparisons. Maybe Son's not on Barkley's level yet, but I feel and maybe Pak Ji Sung's maybe a little overqualified for that role position player like Robert Ory or Steve Kerr. But I think those are like some the parallels that you could kind of compare to for for our for non soccer fans. Mm, I see. Okay. All right. But those are my thoughts. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. Well, I would take Pak Ji Sung. The man you fanboy. No, <laughs> no, because I'll make it quick. I, okay. I, I think it's because he can he can bring like his A game every game mm-hmm. and he'll do what what is asked of him, like no questions asked asked. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you listen to me like throughout this whole entire podcast series, I talk about, you know, no, like no player is greater, greater than the team. Right. right. So that's why I uh, criticize Pogba so much. And I'm right. going to be criticizing Kepa in, in a few minutes here, but like for him, he's like the ultimate player that, like that the manager can really like rely on. Mm-hmm. Right. Because like I can say, hey, go mark that guy, or hey, like I want you to. And there's no ego yeah. involved. Yeah, right. and and you know he deserves every bit of ego that like in that locker room, but he just chose to like leave it and like and like play his his game in the in the pitch, and like I mean that's what I want. Like 
I'm not saying like Sona means that type of player like Pogba, but no, I get it. Yeah, I, I mean, like, who would I want to play with? Like, pick up, I'd probably want to play with Park Ji Sung yeah. because he'd run everywhere, yeah. whereas I can just kind of chill out. Whereas <laughs> Son would like take breaks, and yeah. like, we've kind of seen that. And I think the next step of his development is really going to be the amount of defensive consistency that he's able to bring along um, to his game and the level of consistency in play um, when maybe he's not on all the time. Mm -hmm. He's able to uh, continue the defensive pressure. He's able to do this very small things where he's able to position himself incredibly well um, when he doesn't have the ball. Mm -hmm. Because I think he's dynamite on the ball. Um, and he's he's uh, far ahead of where Pak Chi-sung was when, when what he could do with the ball in terms of creativity and things like that. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we really went down the rabbit hole there, but I thought it was, it's definitely a fun exercise to kind of talk about and, and do. But before we kind of go on to like this past weekend's game, I did want to break down a couple more of the Champions League games. Uh, Liverpool versus Bayern Munich. That ended up in a 0-0 tie. Same day, Barcelona versus uh, Lyon ended up in a 0-0 tie as well. So for the Liverpool Bayern game, I I it was a really boring game honestly. Like I there wasn't much action. There were there were a couple goal scoring chances like and I was scared for this game because of Matip and Fabinho playing as the center backs and to get a 0-0 tie in this game was extremely impressive for Liverpool, especially with Lewandowski um threatening um, and I, I, I just felt like if you can get a 0-0 tie and not allow any away goals for Bayern to score, then you take your chances in the next round and see what you can do. Because all you have to do if you're Liverpool in the next game is be able to score, hopefully score an away goal, which is going to be extremely tough. But if even if they have a 0-0 tie, they go on to extra time. If they end up tying that game, they end up go moving on. So I think it's it's a win for Liverpool to be able to eke out a zero zero tie in this game, especially with the center back pairing that was uh, put in place. And Joel Matip is really scaring the crap out of me. Especially, we'll get into it with the Manu Liverpool comments later. But man, he really re like he tried this flick like in the first 12 minutes of the game when Allison was under pressure, Allison ends up sending him the ball and he tries to do this flick within the box to kind of clear it and they end up losing the ball and Byron ends up probably getting their best chance of the match. I'm not exactly sure what he was thinking there, trying to flick it along like that. Um, Fabinho, surprisingly, who doesn't play center back for Liverpool, who's a center defensive midfielder, ended up slotting back in, in that center back position, probably played better than uh, Matip did. So it's extremely concerning that Matip played the way he did. But overall, I thought it was a pretty boring game, and Liverpool got the result that they really needed um, to fight another day for the, for the return leg. Yeah, I don't have much to say about that. It I was mean, a boring game. Yeah, it, it was a it, it was, was a really boring. It was. Game. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the last two games that I did want to talk about, Atletico versus Juventus was was a really, really exciting game. There was controversy involved, a lot, a lot of controversy involved with VAR. Mm. Um, I mean, Diego Simeone ended up doing like the, I don't, I don't even know what that celebration was, but he like pointed to his like genital area uh, when he was celebrating kind of, um, it looked like a wrestling celebration, honestly, but he, there was a lot of like VAR controversy in the first half. Diego Acosta ended up getting tripped up. They were trying to decide if it was a penalty or not. It was clearly a, it was outside the box when it was once it was slowed down and VAR made the right call. Ended up making the right call. And then in the second half, Atletico really, really ended up dominating and turning it on in that second half. And there were a lot of like. VAR decisions that the referee had to do uh, to consult, especially with like Alvaro Murata ended up scoring scoring a goal, but that got called back, and it was for maybe the slightest of nudges um, on the center defender. And honestly, in the run of play, and if you don't have a VAR, I probably don't even call that a foul. What were your thoughts on that? I mean, it always looks worse in slow motion. Yeah, it's fun to say that all the time. It always looks worse in slow motion. It does. It really does. I feel like, I feel like for situations like those, maybe they shouldn't be watching in you know slow mo. So your proposal is kind of in VAR, like you can watch it as as many times as you want, but you can't like slow it down. Right. I think it's a proper solution. I don't know. It's yeah. It. I don't know. I, I don't think that was the right call there. I thought it should have been 1-0 there for Atletico. But they were able to come back and score two more goals, um, not without controversy, again, with, like, other VAR stuff as well with, like, um, whether or not there was another foul on that on the real first goal for Atletico, um, whether there were, like, was a foul in the box, hands to the face uh, with Jose Jimenez but they ended up awarding him that goal. I don't know if that was a makeup call or something like that, but he ended up scoring a goal. And Diego Godin, the two center backs, ended up scoring both goals for Atletico. Yeah. And it's looking very precarious for for Cristiano Ronaldo to advance with Juventus. It's funny because Juventus brought Cristiano to win this Champions League. this Champions League this tournament yeah, it doesn't look like it's gonna happen yeah and I I don't know if it's gonna really happen um and the it it's gonna be tough because Atletico's I'm they're extremely smart they're gonna really pack it in uh for the next game and I would not be surprised if they that if they pull off the result um because Juventus is gonna have to hope for a two zero goal uh win next next round yeah. or next leg and then be able to go into extra time or they're going to have to win out win outright 3-0. So it's going to be extremely, extremely difficult for them to really pull that off, especially since they didn't get an away goal. So they kind of have to walk this fine line for the next leg of we have to push forward to score goals but not let any goals in, mm-hmm. especially because with the away, tie br- uh, away goal tiebreaker determining... If the if the bolt over both legs, the aggregate score is tied, 
then they're in this they're in this situation like okay we got to make sure we play this all around solid game yeah i mean we'll see for juventus it the problem with juventus is that there's no real challenge in the league mhm so i don't know maybe they got complacent maybe they thought like Atletico might be an easy win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I think it was. I don't know if it, I don't know if they utilized Cristiano well yeah. enough in that mm-hmm. game. Like, I don't think they utilized his strengths mm. well enough. He had one chance off of that free kick, um, and Oblock ended up saving it. But he didn't look super dynamic at all in the way he ended up playing. I mean, he's 35. Yeah, which is <laughs> ridiculous. But, like, he's he's still probably the top two best players yeah. in the league, yeah. in the world, um, yeah. with Messi at the age of 35. So you kind of expect a little bit more from yeah. his performance. But I didn't see it during this mm. game. Well, we'll see if he can turn it on for next game. Yeah, we'll see what ends up happening in the next in the next return leg. Like, and then Man City versus Schalke. Mm. Schalke ends up going up two one. There is a couple hand. There was a handball that ended up being a PK. Bentaleb ended up scoring that one, and then the next goal for Schalke ended up being a PK as well by Bentaleb, and got pulled down. Two very clear PKs. I I would say. Yeah. I I don't think there were any controversy there. It both went to VAR. Both made the right calls. And this is what you really want VAR for to help clarify and determine whether or not you're making the right call. And I think both calls were right. And then Man City was able to come back in the last five minutes and, and score yeah, two goals. Yeah, it was goals. insane. Um, yeah, it was insane. The Sterling goal? The Sané goal, too. Yeah. That that free kick? Oh, oh was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was I remember unbelievable, that one too. unbelievable goal. Um, Odomendi got a red card, though. So they ended up doing it with 10 men yeah. for, like, the last... 20 minutes yeah and uh he got a re- red card in the 70th minute yeah, yeah so, so the last 20 minutes. 20 minutes they ended up playing with 10 men and they were able to put two goals in and this is what ends up they ended up winning 3-2 it looks like they have three away goals so it looks like Sh- Schalke is done unless they went to zero at man city hmm. um and this is the this game is a microcosm of why I'm scared of what Man City can do in the league and really catch up uh, to Liverpool because Liverpool's only up one point now in the league. Man City's coming off of that exciting, exciting Champions League game. The And then let's get into the Carabao Cup because they ended up beating Chelsea in the Carabao Cup to mm. get their first trophy of the season. Are they... Are they really going to be able to pull off the the quadruple as everyone's calling it right now? Um, and I mean, out of all the thing, like if you had to put your money on it, let's say I'm giving you like ten to one odds or something. Yeah, you think they pull it off? No. Yeah, I I mean it, it's going to be difficult. I think the Champions League is yeah, obviously yeah. going to be the hardest hurdle for yeah. them. Um. As a Liverpool fan, I'm scared as fuck right now. Um, for the for the league, as Liverpool's only one point clear with about ten game, eleven games to go, 
So yeah, and you I'm slip up and you're you guys are done. Right. Really. You're right. So I'm a little scared about that. But let's talk about the Carabao Cup. Obviously, there's more 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 and more controversy here in this game. So the Carabao Cup final was this past Sunday and it was between Chelsea and Manchester City. And do you wanna do you wanna like kind of outline some of the I, I mean, the broader points in the game and then what kind of brought us to Maurizio Sarri versus uh, Kepa? Well, it was... So, obviously, Manchester United was kind of dominating. Like, I, I saw, like, an image where Hazard had the ball in the final third and there was no one else to help him out. Yeah. Like that And, like, that pretty much sums up the, the entire game where... Um, they were lucky to kind of go to this um, to like extra time and, and uh, penalties mm-hmm. shootouts. Um, Kepa ended up going down twice with an injury, and this is this is like the biggest biggest controversy. Um, sorry, uh, asked uh, who's the backup keeper? Caballero. Caballero. Who um, who is? Was the former Manchester yeah, City goalkeeper, backup he, goalkeeper. He was. He's a quality player. He's a quality goalkeeper, and uh, Kepa basically refused to get off the pitch. And and the thing is, Caballero is a very good penalty kick stopper, and this is where the game was heading towards, especially yeah. with it being the last couple minutes of extra time. Mm-hmm. And it was heading towards PKs. And especially if it's a lower leg type of injury that I think Kepa went down with. It looked like like he was cramping uh, or something like that. His Uh, his, his, uh, calf. calf. Yeah. Yeah. And especially during a penalty kick shootout when you need explosive movements to move side to side to push off those legs, you kind of want someone that's fresh in there. And if if a goalkeeper is cramping then it's going to be extremely difficult for them to dive side to side for yeah. them. And, yeah, it, w- it it was just, like, such a weird and funny scene to see where Keppel was, like, kind of being demonstrative in his actions and basically waving at his sideline saying, yeah. like, it was kind of like a big F you to them saying, yeah. like, I'm not coming off the field. I'm I'm basically trying going to win us this this cup and it ended up going to PKs. He didn't end up coming off. And uh, basically the fourth referee was like, so what's, is, is, is this sub yeah. happening or not? There was like this back and forth between sorry and Kepa, like come off the field. No, I'm not coming off. And the fourth referee's like, you know, that emoji, yeah. like it's like the, the shrug. shrug emoji. That's pretty much what the ref was doing. Like he had no idea whether to raise up the board uh, to call out the sub, and Caballero was just like standing there, ready to go. And he ends up taking a seat. Maurizio Sarri ends up being extremely pissed off, and he's probably feeling it right now, especially with uh, the pressure from Abramovich mm. above and them struggling in the league. What are your thoughts on and they ended up losing in PKs. Kepa ended up having like a really, really like 
he had an amazing save on one of the PKs, but there was one save against Sergio Aguero. It, it literally just like trickled right under his arm. Yeah. It, it was a fairly easy save that he should have had. Yeah. And you kind of always wonder, was it the injury that maybe affected him? Um, would Caballero made that save? Like you could play a lot of like hypotheticals, uh, what ifs and things like that. But I feel like this kind of puts the nail in the coffin for Sar- uh, Maurizio Sarri's tenure at Chelsea. I think it also puts a nail in the coffin for Chelsea, like overall. Just like this run slash era of like their, because th- it's not that they've been dominant, but they've been like one of the top, I would say, two teams or two to three teams in the league with Manchester United and, and City. Yeah, I mean, they've won a couple of uh, league, premier, ti- yeah. league titles, and they've mm. been able to perform extremely well in Europe as well but um, in preceding years. Like I said, who's going to come and coach these guys? Yeah, Gus Hiddink? <laughs> yeah, I'm not like, exactly sure like who Abramovich would want in this position. Maybe Zidane ends up taking this job. I don't really know, like... But sorry, doesn't seem like the right fit, yeah. and like the guys that he just brought in, like especially in that center, center midfield position, Conte's a beast, obviously. Yeah. But he's, I feel like he's being miscast in the role mm-hmm. that he's playing, in that he's this amazing all-world center defensive midfielder, and he's being asked to play like the furthest yeah, up, the up field, on the yeah. field. Um, Jorginho's like a complete has been basically a complete waste of money hasn't been able to adjust to the speed of the English Premier mm-hmm. League game in comparison to what he did at Napoli where the Italian game's a little bit slower and where he, he had his bearings and Sarri's kind of struggled with trying to match up those pieces in that center of the midfield and I think that's kind of causing a lot of the problems for Chelsea there's that lack of service in the center of the mi- center of the midfield to Eden Hazard, um, to the wingers, to William, to Pe- Pedro, that those front three guys aren't able to get the right amount of service, and that's really causing this. I would say like this disconnect between the midfielders and the strikers. Yeah, I feel really bad for Jorginho because once Sarri, Sarri gets sacked, like, he's not going to be able to... He's gone. Yeah. Like, he's um, gone. Or he's going to be like Danny Drinkwater and be on the bench and yeah. not be able to yeah, get exactly. off of it. So. Uh, sucks for him. Uh, Iguain like, thought he could, like, make a difference. Uh, yeah, really hasn't at all. Yeah. Um, and... It looks like this might be it for like Hazard. Like he's probably run out of patience by now. And yeah, and especially with them not probably well the way they've been playing, maybe not finishing in the top four. Yeah, that's just another year of not in Champions League play. And I'm sure with him feeling antsy, I'm sure Real Madrid's probably calling his name. Hey, huh. come fill this spot that uh, this gaping hole that Ronaldo left. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up leaving this mm. summer. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I would be surprised if he stayed. Yeah, like it would be surprising. And I'm curious to see what the balance is for Chelsea. And maybe it is the end of an era for them 
of this dominant play where they are they going to be able to compete in the top four for next year and years to come, especially if they lose a player, especially probably their best player in yeah. Eden Hazard. Yikes. Yeah, I know. I, if I'm a Chelsea fan, I'm like, I'm a little worried. I'm probably, it was probably what Manchester United dealt with a couple years ago, um, especially with them changing all those managers and seeing what, I'm curious to see like if Abramovich has the patience and he his track record has shown that he isn't a patient guy yeah. and usually tries to go for the home run higher. Maybe he brings back Mar- like br- goes to Mourinho or something <laughs> like that. I have no idea what he's gonna do, but um, his track record says that sorry is probably gone after this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone sooner. Yeah, it, I think next match. If Chelsea can't perform, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. All right. So, had you? Why don't we go to? Um, before we talk about Man U Liverpool, we'll talk about Burnley Spurs. Spurs ended up having a surprising loss um, to Burnley this past weekend, two to one. Um, Maurizio Pochettino ended up going like insane on the referee. Um, who is it? Mike Dean. Like he, yeah. he ended up just going ballistic on him, especially because there was a controversial um, decision as to whether or not there was a corner kick or a goal kick. And the corner, the the corner kick that ended up resulting in the first goal for Burnley. And that really set Pochettino off. Kane ended up tying it one, one. And then, I don't know. Burnley just kind of stuck around. They did Burnley things and like stayed behind the ball. Uh, did like the Deitch thing of like basically just like packing the middle of the field, making it extremely difficult to break down for Spurs. And um, Burnley was able to score a goal, uh, a goal through Ashley Barnes. And my whole thing, especially reading some of the, I would say comments slash um, reports on what ended up happening during the game. Also, what ended up uh, watching like the highlights of the game with the return of Harry Kane, and this can go back to like our our whole Son Heung-min discussion, Erickson discussion. Harry Winks has looked really good. Like, and and I I guess we can make an apt comparison to like like Kobe Bryant or something like that, Mm. where like Harry Kane is analogous to what Kobe did with the Lakers and how Kane is looking for his goals all the time. And instead of making maybe some of the right decisions, he's going to take his chances to, to score goals. Whereas when Son and Lorente were featuring, and that's kind of crazy to say that when Lorente was like actually featuring in the past couple of games, it just seemed like a more cohesive unit that ended up playing together. And this kind of goes to your theory of like togetherness and um, whether or not Kane kind of, and obviously Harry Kane's an amazing player, but did he cause some chemistry discord because of what ended up resulting in this game see i don't think he should have started this game Mm. right he just came back from an injury Mm -hmm. Mm, chances are he's not 100 percent match fit yeah 
So he could have been like the the sixty eighth, like seventy minute sub. Mm-hmm. You know, like trying to make a difference when all the Burnley players are like tired. But instead, like Harry Kane started, and I think that's like the shortcoming of Pochettino is that he relies on Harry Kane too much. Yeah, and it it's I don't know wh- if it's like a tactical thing where the players see Harry Kane on the field and say, "Oh, we have Harry Kane, we're going to feed him the ball." Basically, mm. kind of like force feed him the ball yeah. and give him the ball, give him the ball instead of like maybe making the correct decision that the 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 play calls for. And I think that ends up really making things super difficult when Burnley already knows what's going to happen yeah. and th- and basically funnel the ball to Kane basically have multiple men on him when he when he has back his back turned to goal and I thought Son was like underutilized in this game he did not I I don't think he really had a meaningful run up or like play in this game like he looked not that he looked invisible but he just didn't he had didn't have the impact that he had in previous games like he did against Dortmund and his like form in the past I would say five or six games where he scored one goal in each game so that's got to be a concern Erickson like I I don't know and this team's performed with Kane on the field. Like, they've had multiple second-place finishes in the league. It's not that they haven't been able to perform, but this has got to be a frustrating loss for them, especially with how Liverpool's struggling now. And they were they could have been able to... They could have made up ground, especially if they got this win um, and really made it a three-team race. And I don't know with this loss if that impacts their their Premier League chances. Yeah. For a team that has proven themselves to be like a top contender, even when Kane was out, it's kind of ironic that as soon as Kane came back on, like they lost to a team like Burnley, who's sitting on like what, like bottom, bottom third, right? Like on... Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Burnley, well... Like, they're barely, like... Yeah, they're sitting at 15th right now. Yeah, so there are there are two games away from, like, relegation zone, pretty much. Yeah. And... Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, and I'm looking at, this, at the uh, table, right, league table right now, and if Tottenham had ended up winning that game, they would have been three points beyond Liverpool. Yeah. Which is, like, that they would have had it good as good of a shot as anyone uh to win the league there by no means uh, are they out of the league title uh race but it just makes it that much harder when they're losing games against Burnley well yeah it's kind of typical Tottenham fashion later in the season they kind of lose some key games that they, they should have won yeah and they shouldn't yeah they shouldn't and that speaking of losing games or having uh games where there haven't been or, or speaking of games that basically teams should win or they're just drawing or they're losing 
I mean, Liverpool's been doing that in their in their past five, I would say. They ended up uh, tying Leicester. Last four games, tying Leicester, tying West Ham, <laughs> beating Bournemouth, and then tying Man U in this past game. So, the, like, especially with the lead that Liverpool ended up having, the lead is completely gone now. Um, they're only one point up uh, against Man City, and I'm extremely worried now about where Liverpool is sitting it in the league. Mm, I mean... I don't think anybody give me some give me some optimism, Hedrina, <laughs> please. I don't think anybody expected <coughs> Liverpool to win, though. No, I I wasn't really, especially with the lineup they yeah. ended up putting forward. Uh, Milner was playing right back against Manchester United. I wasn't expecting a win per se, especially with it being at Old Trafford. But it's the two other games, the mm-hmm. Leicester and West Ham ties. Um, that really ends up costing them. That ends up being four points right there that they ended up losing. And, like, I'm fine with the Man U draw because of how well Man U's been playing as of late. It's just, it's it's so frustrating that, like, I'm getting this impending doom of, like, of, of Liverpool basically choking it away again. And I'm sure a bunch of Liverpool fans are feeling the same exact feelings. Mm. Yeah, I feel like Liverpool needs to, and like Liverpool was always lost against teams that they should have won or drawing. Right? Yeah. They 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 come up big in big games, but yeah. against teams where they should win or should be able to get a good result in i i don't know if it's a mentality thing or a mental thing with the team of of them just kind of turning off and saying oh that's like a check mark we should win that game and maybe that's kind of the mentality that they end up having and it goes to i think a lot of the things that we've talked about previously this season uh between me you and tyler is that Liverpool's lack of depth has really affected them. And maybe it's not even the lack of depth. And I think maybe the depth is there. It's just maybe Klopp doesn't trust some of the players that he should be relying on, like Shakiri or like guys like that, where he's like entrusting some of these these guys that don't frankly have it. Like Nabi Keita, who's supposed to be this all-world player that Liverpool brought in for 50-something million dollars hasn't been good. He ha- he's, mm. he's been giving the ball away, and he hasn't been great for this team. Jordan Henderson, past couple games, he's looked really good, honestly, but he for, for the captain, he hasn't been consistent this season. Um, and that's that's a worry, and especially with, the, with Roberto Firmino, who went down um, in the Man U game, Daniel Surge is going to have to step up. Divock Origi is going to One of these guys is going to have to step up that isn't someone like Mo Salah or uh, Sadio Mane. It's going to have to be one of these ancillary pieces that ends up stepping up and really saying, all right, this is not just based on the star power of the team, but we're actually a whole team. 
And those guys, those ancillary pieces are the guys that are extremely important to a team that is chasing for a title, especially like, you know, like we were talking about Pak Ji-sung earlier on in the podcast. Those are the guys that we need to step up Mm. for this last 11 games of the season. Would you be surprised if they didn't win? No, I w- at this point I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Like, if you asked me this a month ago, it was almost a slam dunk, and I would would have been ready to put a couple hundred dollars down yeah. on them to bet on them. But now it's looking extremely precarious, especially with Manchester City looking like they're on fire with the form that they've been on. So I don't know what ends up happening. I think. S- I think the Firmino injury is a little scary. Supposedly, he's going to be coming back for the Merseyside Derby uh, this this coming weekend. He won't be playing the Watford game. We're recording this on a Tuesday night. It's 10.23 p.m. right now. But they'll be playing in the Watford game at, on Wednesday, and he won't be, he won't be available. It looks like they're going to have to get by with Sturridge. So that's a good sign that he's only missing a game especially with thoughts of him originally missing multiple, multiple games. And um, for Manchester City, Laporte and Fernandinho, two key starters um, at the, in the spine of that lineup for Man City is probably going to, and I think uh, Guardiola ended up coming out and saying this, they're going to miss the next five games and they're not going to evaluate them until the next international break, which is an extremely good sign for Liverpool's chances. And I'm very curious to see what the form of Manchester City looks like in the next five games. Because I would say Manchester City has all the attacking players in the world depth-wise, but those are the two positions I would say are the shakiest for them in terms of center-back and center-defensive midfield. And if those are the two positions that... They're going to be missing two key starters for the next five weeks. I'm feeling a little bit better, but not great at all. They got Delph. Yeah, I know, right? Fabi and Delph. And I mean, even let's get into the specifics of the Man U Liverpool game. That was a weird first half yeah. for Manchester United. Yeah. And I, honestly, I thought Man U over the course of the game had the better looks and better chances and opportunities during the game. But for them to have used up all their subs in the first half, what were your feelings as you were watching that game? Well, I wasn't worried about the match. Mm-hmm. I was worried about like, oh, like is it gonna be long term injuries? Is it gonna be like we're gonna finish top four w- with you know such uh, so many injuries in in the in the midfield. Right, and they're only sitting one point behind Arsenal right now, yeah. and f- and Man's use in fifth right. So now. I think that's the goal, right? Is to sit on fourth. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and basically look, to get towards next League. year, right? Um, and now, I mean, hopefully it's not serious. Like especially someone like Lingard, who, uh, who is such a, I mean, he hasn't been that great this season, mm-hmm. but. You know when he when he can turn it on, he can't like really turn it on. And I think the key injury, honestly, for you guys is Andres Herrera, Herrera. Yeah. and yeah. because Herrera has been that key, r- really that key next player. Next, 
Right. He's been that key player for them in that center midfield yeah. role that in conjunction with uh, uh, Matic, who have really kind of made this turnaround for Manchester United. And Matic wasn't playing this game. McTominay was in there. Yeah. Um, and I thought he didn't play terrible, I thought. But the like to have Matic and Herrera both out now, that's got to be somewhat worrisome. Well, here's the thing, too. Um, Rashford got injured, too. Right, he was basically playing on one leg yeah. in that game, yeah. and because they used up all their subs, yeah, he, c- he he couldn't come back. Probably out. he probably should have come off, you know. But like that's yeah. What were they going to do? Play ten men for yeah. the next what forty minutes of the game? But like I'm hoping like he didn't like injure something. Like you know, it's not it didn't turn out to be like a bigger mm-hmm. bigger injury just because he was playing on it for then like ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, it. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating, but at the same time, and it, it, most of those are like hamstring injuries, right? Under Herrera and like all Lingard. three of them, all uh, all three of them. Herrera, Mata, and Lingard were all hamstring so injuries. So it's not like they can come back, like who you know, like who's half-assed. the physio at Manchester <laughs> United? <laughs> Seriously. Uh, yeah, I know. So it's kind of like it's kind of worrisome. Um, it is, but I mean. 11 games left of the season. I'm I'm pretty hopeful that we will be sitting on fourth. Um, yeah, I th- I think th- I mean that's the uh, the obvious yeah. hope. I don't think they have there's much of a chance to go yeah, any yeah, higher. Yeah, realistically like we're not going to have to worry about Champions League. Right. Realistically mm-hmm. speaking. Um yeah. which should uh which means more rest for the players, which means a lot more focus on the league for the next 11 games. Yeah, exactly. Year. So, so you're, uh, if you had to put it at a percentage, uh, for man, like of confidence that you have in Manchester United in making it to the top four at the end of the year, what's your level of confidence meter right now? Seventy percent. Okay, so that's pretty. That's but pretty. Confident. That's dependent on the outcome of PSG, like the Champions League. Okay. Return like. Okay. Because, I think. Like Skullscar has a lot of thinking to do now that there's a bunch of players injured. Mm-hmm. Like, do I throw away this Champions League game? And I don't think, especially it's a it's an away game. And I don't think any Man U fan would be extremely hurt if they were like, "Yeah, we're throwing this away no. and kind of focus on right. the league," especially with the the type of season that they had. Yeah, this year. and I think. I'm speaking for like all Man U fans out there, but you know I, I've been pretty happy uh, with how like the second second half of the season turned out, mm-hmm. right? Despite all these drama uh, in the first half, so um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it kind of sucks, but when well, you know what can you do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to make the best out of your situation. Exactly. Right. I'm not. I'm not one of those like. Uh, always, always like pessimistic kind of right. fan. Where, which like all British, uh, like fans seem to be. Yeah, I, I, I feel like you know, like how foot, I, you know, like the football. Like I'm talking about American football. American football fans, I would say, are pretty negative about their their own yeah. teams. Like I think that's the similar. It, it's almost to new level <laughs> in in uh in England with the way 
fans are about their team. Like, mm. I feel like I've kind of had that pessimism about Liverpool mm. up until this point. It's almost been ingrained in me. So there's just that level of like, oh, is this is this the, another year of disappointment for Liverpool? Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that you have that sunny disposition because <laughs> I don't at all right now um, for Liverpool. So, I mean, if I had to put... I'm basically rooting... F- like preparing for the worst, hoping for the best type of, that's the type of mentality that I'm having right now. Um, and I'm, I wonder what ends up happening. And, and Skolskar, like he, uh, he was a youth coach. Mm-hmm. So he knows uh, the youth system and he promised to give a lot of these young players some playing time up in, you know, the senior team. So, Hopefully we get to see some new faces maybe. Chong. Yeah, yeah. Chong. He looks great. Um, McTominay, like who was starting even before. He, um, yeah, yeah. Even, uh, even Mourinho. Liked yeah. Him a so, bit. you know, like hopefully he gets some, a little bit more playing time. Uh, yeah. So hopefully. Yeah. You know. and, th- and then there's news about De Gea signing a long-term extension with hope Manchester so. United. So especially with that, whole saga of him possibly going back to uh going to real madrid yeah that's gotta be another positive sign so it's i mean i think things are looking up for manchester united and if they can get through this season and make it into the top four but have champions league football next year i think it'll be a real positive to look forward to as they go into the new uh to the next into next season yeah um and i wonder if they keep the coach there's just a lot of things to be answered at the end of the season so i'll be curious to see what ends up happening um i don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to add hedjun um before we close it out and hedjun is shaking his head no but for i I guess we should kind of do this give us your top four um with 11 games to go to end to end the podcast. Manchester City. One. Yeah. Okay. Tottenham. Oh wow. You're you're, <laughs> you're really just digging like you're just basically shoving the knife deeper and deeper. Okay. Uh Liverpool and then Manchester United. Okay. Thank God you didn't have Man no, Like no, then no, I would have just been so. like your home, home we're, basically. We're like ten points behind. Uh <laughs> Tottenham, I think. Yeah. You're Something eight like points that. behind Tottenham yeah. right now. So Fourteen behind Liverpool. I don't think that's yeah. I don't think that's you know what? I as dire as it's looked for Liverpool, I, I think they're gonna be able to run off a couple games. I think it's gonna go Liverpool, Man mm-hmm. City, Tottenham, and I think Man U's gonna be able to pull it out above Arsenal okay. that fourth All fourth right. spot. So that's my top four with eleven games to go this season i'll be very curious to see what ends up happening in tomorrow's game against watford because watford's been a very good side they're sitting at seventh right now um behind the top six teams so this is a really really important game for liverpool to come out and really be able to take it to watford and especially with some of the injuries that they've had Mm. i hope they're able to come prepared for this game and really be prepared and we'll see what ends up happening hedging thanks for coming back on to the pod we'll probably have you next on next week so we could kind of review 
and recap all the games from from this past week and then for this upcoming weekend. So thanks for coming on, Hedjun. And guys, thanks for being patient for uh, for uh, waiting for this podcast to come out. I know we've been a little bit slow in terms of putting them out for the last couple of weeks, but thank you for being patient. We have a lot of other podcasts coming up. Baseball, I mean, Machado ended up signing with the San Diego Padres, so me and Hedron will probably do a baseball preview podcast coming up in the in the upcoming month. We also have um, golf. That some golf. That's something that I want to talk about with my friend Chris. Um, as we talk about the Masters and whether or not Tiger Woods can get his mojo back and see whether or not he's able to compete there. And then we're also going to be doing this three-man pod between me, my friend Andrew, and my friend Chris uh, from law school on the NCAA tournament, March Madness. We're going to kind of do this preview. They're both pretty big college basketball fans, so we're going to talk about whether or not Seton Hall has a chance. Boo-hoo for GW and their chances because they've not been good this year at all so we will see what ends up happening and we'll give our best advice for brackets and things like that so if you guys win pools we're expecting a, a bit of a cut if if we give you guys good advice and if we don't give you good advice don't blame us so Thanks, guys, for uh, listening, and be on the lookout for those podcasts coming up um, later in the month. So thanks, Hedrin, again for coming on, and we will see you guys next week.